In the following live session recording, Lynn Pryor, publishing team leader groups, Lifeway Christian Resources, leads the session entitled, Think Like a Guest, Getting Visitors to Come Back. The listener will hear a discussion of the seven questions on the minds of guests and see the things that can be done to provide answers that motivate guests to return. Let's join Lynn now. Group in here, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad everyone's here. Uh, but let me give you a rule for our group in here. I do not want this class, this, this hour and 15 minutes, where I don't want it to be a lecture, okay? So that's my rule. So if this turns into a lecture, it's your fault. <laughs> I want you just to, as we go along, ask a question, you got a comment or an illustration. Hey, let me tell you how we did that in our church. That's the stuff we want to hear because as we talk about, uh, Thinking like and learning how to think like our guests really think. You're going to have some stories we can learn from each other. And that's really what I want to have happen. So just shout at me. I worked with middle schoolers for a lot of years, so I'm used to being interrupted. You don't even have to raise your hand. Just say, hey, I, I, just, just shout it out uh, as we go along as we do this. Uh, I appreciate the, the nice introduction there. I do work at Lifeway. I was a pastor for a long time. Uh, I was a writer for Lifeway. Uh, the, ride, the writing that happens at Lifeway is done by church people. It's not done downtown Nashville. It's done by folks just like you. Pastors, uh, Sunday school teachers. We look for people, though, who are active in a Southern Baptist church, number one, and they, they teach. They're, they're teachers, practitioners of what they do. And that's what I was doing, even as a pastor. So I got a call one day. I assumed it was to, uh, oh, it's going to be another writing opportunity. They said, no, we're interested in you coming up here. Uh, so that was 25 years ago. And the reason I left the pastor to do that is because I am passionate about what happens at our Bible study groups. I'm passionate about what happens in Sunday school. Because what happens in our classes, that is kind of a microcosm of what should happen in the whole church. Because that's where relationships happen. That's where ministry happens in a smaller setting. And uh, my experience has been those who are involved in a Bible study group are those who get involved in the life of the church. Those who just come and they sit on the pew on Sunday morning, and that's all they do. They never really get involved. They never really get connected. So well, we're going to think in terms of how do we get those people who visit, how can we get them to come back? So uh, we're going to, once again, we're going to kind of walk through this. And I'm going to give you a handout to use here. Uh, okay, well, if you'll take those and pass those out, and I'm going to just uh, get some started this way. Uh, this is not a page with all, all my comments on it. It's actually more of a jot sheet because what I want you to do, I, I do better when I write it down myself. Ooh, here's an idea I can run with. So I want you, as, you, as we dialogue, uh, as we talk, uh, what ideas does it spur in your mind as we look at this stuff? So, all right, are we ready? So let me just start here. Why do we do Sunday school? Real quick, tell me. What? Bible study. Bible study, okay. Small group. Fellowship. Fellowship, okay. Discipleship. Discipleship. Outreach. Outreach. All good answers. The reason I'm asking that is because if your church is like mine, we've done Sunday school forever. And we just kind of, well, didn't, you know, I assume, you know, Apostle Paul, he he did Sunday school. You know, it's, it's we've always done it. And I think what happens is sometimes we forget the purpose of our Bible study groups. And one of the purposes has to do with that outreach and that fellowship. Uh, Bible study and discipleship is certainly a part of it. 
But what happens in a lot of groups, that's all they get to focus on is the Bible study and the discipleship, and they forget about the outreach and the fact that people might want to come visit their class and participate in fellowship. So I'm going to, I'm just going to burst the bubble right now. We've got to get the, the truth and the reality out here. People do not come to your class because you are a great teacher. Okay? Sorry. Has nothing to do with you. They come because of relationships. Now, hopefully one of those relationships is you. That you as the teacher, as the leader, outreach, whatever your role is, you're one of those relationships. But they come because they connect with the people in the group. And then as we connect as a people in a group, we engage in Bible study together. Because all it does, if, if all they need is just a really good teacher, and I'm sure, I'm sure that you're a great teacher, but if that's all they really need, sit at home and record it and just put it online and let them watch it. If that's all they need. Uh, but they come for relationships. And I tell you, we live in a, a, I know we live in a very digital generation. Everyone on YouTube and Facebook Live and all the other stuff. That is never going to replace the church. It's never going to replace a good, old-fashioned Sunday school class because you don't have relationships online. You just, there's a disconnect. You know, how many of y'all, when y'all watched like a Billy Graham crusade or some preacher on TV and he says, let's pray, how many of you actually bow your heads and pray? TV, okay, well, you're, you're spiritual. I don't. <laughs> I just feel awkward praying in front of my, you know, like, because there's a disconnect with what's happening on the screen. So they come for the relationships. Yeah. So let me ask you another question about your group. Would you describe your group as friendly or not? You don't have to answer that out loud. But I tell you what, if you ask the people in your group, they would say, yes, we are a friendly group. That's what they will say. But reality often shows us something different. Mm -hmm. Reality is we are a friendly group. Most church groups are. But they're friendly to each other. Right. Um, you know, and that's why I sort of had to answer the first question first, because I got to thinking about that. Because you used the term disconnect. And I was going to say, so that we can get them connected to the group. But they will never get connected to the group as long as you don't look at them as part of the group. Yes. And yet we'll say in our circles that we're a friendly church, and I'm a pastor, okay? And, you know, We'll say we're friendly as a church as long as they're like us. Mm -hmm. What about the down and out? What about the one that lives within you know, a rock fellow of the church that they're different? Him and her, their kids are different. Well, they're different. Yeah. You know, they still got to be included in this if we're going to be the church. Yes. And that gets us, thank you for the segue, uh, because. <laughs> There is a way around that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip my video here because the sound is lousy. I, we wouldn't all hear it. It was Forrest Gump. Uh, you would have loved it. Uh, this book came out, uh, gosh, ten years ago. Transformational Church. Uh, many of you may have read the book. It was, it's a research based, and they looked at churches that were strong, healthy, growing churches, uh, and not necessarily just. I'm not talking about mega churches, but just it could have been a small church, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a small town. But it was a healthy church. And so they began to do research, and they saw these nine, um, nine markers of these healthy churches. And one of those markers was this phrase, there was a relational intentionality about what they did. They were intentional about the way they built relationships. Now, there's some of you in here 
you walk into a room, you're, and this is me, this is me, I'm here. You know, we just, we find a spot for ourselves. It's just natural for us. There's others, though, they're not. And so the idea that these growing churches, these strong churches were doing is, they saw those people that were kind of on the fringes, and they made an effort. They were intentional about building relationships with them. And what we're going to have to think about is, you know, many of us are Sunday school teachers, we're pastors. Uh, it's not just us. We have to get those in our group to start thinking this way as well. Because, again, if I as the teacher am the only one who's outgoing and friendly to that guest and no one else is, they come back. Because it's all about relationships. Plus... If you are the one that they're connected with, and that's who everybody else is connected with, you get worn out. Right. Yeah. I mean, because you're just always having to be there. Sure. So we're going to kind of, I want us to kind of think around this. So what we're going to do is you've got this sheet, and you see there's seven questions. I began to think through this. What are the questions that a guest asks? Now, they're not going to ask this out loud. They're not going to quiz you as, as the leader of a group. But this is, they may not even say this initially consciously. But these are the kind of questions that roll around in their heads as they come and they visit a church and as they visit your class. These are the questions. So we're just going to kind of walk through these and um, we'll, uh, we'll share some stories as we go along. I want you to notice this quote. This came uh, from another book by Dr. Rainer. 82% of the unchurched said they would somewhat likely to attend if they are invited. Now you look at that number again. We think about all these unchurched. Yet 82% would come if someone invited them. You know, we, I, I know this is nothing new to everybody, but we're becoming a culture that is not, you know, got, got a Christian sub-base to it. We are becoming almost a pre-Christian culture where a lot of people, they don't know what happens in church. Right. So think about some, some guy who drives past your church and has never been in a church before. He has no idea what you guys do in there. No idea. Are there snakes? You know, what, what, what is it? Uh, we had someone in a church when I served in Alaska. They came to our church. They had never been in a Baptist church, and they honestly thought we handled snakes. And it's like, you handle snakes, and I'm leaving, but <laughs> it's weird how some people think we handle snakes. Right. And so for the most of us have grown up, many of us have grown up in a church, grown up in a, even in a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church, and we know how things go. That's not the culture anymore. Um, and so I try to look at this and think of this like someone who's never been in a church before, what are they going to expect? What's it going to be like for them? So these are just some questions that uh, they kind of popped in my head. Here's the first one. Can I find where they meet? Now, the ideal thing is we want our people in our class to invite their friends, their neighbors, a coworker, a guy on the bowling league, something like that. Say, hey, I've got this Bible study group I meet with on Sunday mornings. Why don't you come with me? I'll come pick you up. I'll take you. That's ideal because now he de the guest doesn't have to find the group where you meet. He's got someone to show them park, walk in with them, and all that. Something that we do at my church, the superintendent of, of Sunday school and all the teachers, our Sunday school starts at 9.30. At 9.15, we're supposed to be out there 
in the parking lot meeting everybody and showing them which classroom they need to go if they're a visitor. All right, thank you. That's great. Um, we're gonna, okay, so that's exactly the thing I want to talk about. There's a picture of a church. This is Woodmont Baptist Church in Nashville. I'm put call on the spot. I was a member there. You know, I was a member there for many years. I was, a, uh, I was the chairman of the deacons and the Sunday school director the same year. You know, I, I survived. Um, <laughs> now, uh, let's see. You've seen the church. It's a very prominent right there in a very prominent corner in Nashville. And you see that door, and you go, oh, there's the door. There's I'm going to visit. That's where I go. Here's an aerial view of the church. Now, I shared this with the Sunday school teachers at Woodman. I was doing a, a training like this with them. I walked around. There are 11 doors into the building. Yes, sir. We have 33 here. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so y'all, you know exactly. Doors but y'all have something outside. better going on. Okay. Yes. That, that was my question, too. I'm also a member here. Did, did everybody find yesterday where they were going to eat with after, after I got in, because if you parked at where you thought was the front, right? No, there were no volunteers there, and we didn't know where to go. So this I saw that there was a speaker by a door, and that's where, I, you know, that's where I got in. This is an ongoing thing we're trying right. to solve here. We're trying to deal because we have a lot of visitors just walk up every single day. And, and it's easy because all these buildings. First Baptist Statesboro is much like Woodmont, where. You can tell it's, it was built in phases, mm -hmm. and so there's a prominent door, and uh, and you don't know which door is. And so you look at that. I showed you the, the you know the front of it, which was this. That seems like the obvious front door. It's not. It's that right there. Wow. Everyone, well, and I I promise you, this is what they said. I, I was talking to the Sunday school teachers. This is the problem. People don't know where to go, and they said, well, everybody knows you go in that door. No, they don't. The guests don't. Now, if they get there early, they'll see there's more cars around here, but you still don't know what door to walk into. So, uh, I'm a big believer in two things. People to be greeters, uh, and, and the parking lot, we don't like you're doing, and then also signage. Signage is good. Anyone stay here overnight like in a hotel last night? Okay, a few of us did. You know, like I was at the Hampton Inn, um, and all she did was she handed me my key, my little packet. She didn't tell me my room number. My room number was written on there, and she didn't have to give me directions. <coughs> Go to the elevator, a punch a three. When you get off on the third floor, there's signage for the numbers. You know, you know how hotels do that. Churches ought to do stuff like that as well. Now, it does become a challenge for like a stage where, where we have phases that we've built on. So, how do you work around that? Graders. Could you have, have uh, people in the parking lot? to greet, to direct. And even in this church, um, we got them to, we put greeters at three doors, uh, the three that were, I would call, prominent. And they could kind of look around, and if anyone walked in, there was someone there to greet them. Even the main door. But no one ever goes in there. Yes, they do, the guests do. So we had someone planted there. Uh, a, a church in, the, uh, in our area, in Franklin, Tennessee, they do something really neat. They've got the greeters, uh, the guys, you know, guys directing traffic in the parking lot. But they have a sign. If you are a guest, flash your lights. So they're directing traffic. When they see those lights flash, they direct them this way. And there's someone there in that guest area. 
Yeah, so Jane says it's not labeled guest parking, but they know they're in that area, and someone is there to greet them and to walk them into the building, walk them to their classroom. That's great. Now, you may think, okay, this is kind of easy to pull off when you're a First Baptist Statesboro, where you got you know staff and you know, you know lots of volunteers. You can do this in any church. It doesn't take a large group of people. You know, a couple of guys in the parking lot, maybe, maybe one. Uh, church where my membership is at, uh, I haven't been there in about two years. Uh, I, I visit a lot. Someone donated a golf cart, and I go to a small church. I mean, we were—I say small, we 100, 140. But someone donated a golf cart, so there's a guy out in the parking lot. Um, he drives the golf cart. Of course, the junior high boys want to do that too. But and he just goes, and it's great. Senior adults, he can pick them up. But he also, those guests that come in, he's there to greet them. They get in. It's not a far walk, but he, he's got that 5, 10, 15 seconds with them just to talk with them and greet them. That is great uh, to do that. So put you some greeters out there. And the signage, I think, is critical. The signage. Uh, I pulled into a church one day uh, in, in the Franklin area. And there was a sign right there. You pointed this way to the Sunshine Factory. I don't like that. I want to be in the Sunshine Factory. That sounds cool. Well, it turned out to be their preschool ministry. <laughs> Guests don't know what Sunshine Factory is. So if you call it the Sunshine Factory, put preschool or something. Now, I do like it. At Saints Road, there was, uh, we're going to see the sign. There was a big honking sign, preschool. Tell people where they're going. So, uh, again... A couple of volunteers uh, in, in, in a church can even do a lot of this where they are the greeters at the door. And don't get the guy that just, his, his ministry is he hands out a board. That's not a good greeter, okay? No offense if, if uh, that's how you do it. But it needs to be a conversation. And greet them. Uh, like I said, I visit a lot of churches. And... Uh, I've had him say, this happened very recently. He said, I'm looking for such and such class. I went to the website, and I knew what class I wanted to visit. And he says, well, if you go down there and you turn right and go down, and then you'll see a left, and you'll... I'm thinking, can you walk me down there? But no, he just pointed. So your greeters at the door, where it is, it's a, it's a welcome center. And let them know where the classes are, let the greeters. <coughs> let them have that knowledge base, and then they walk them there. And if it's a family that visits, here's what you do. You take the whole family and you start and you drop off the preschooler. Mm -hmm. And the whole family goes and they drop off the middle schooler or the high, you know, whatever. And they go, and that way mom and dad get to see where their kids are. Exactly. And they get exposed. And then you take mom and dad to your class. Mm -hmm. other, other thoughts, for, I'd like to hear from y'all about uh, greeter, uh, greeters, what works, what doesn't. I, you know, I'm a rural application pastor, and, and i got fifth and sixth grade young men that know Christ, love the Lord, and uh, they're in charge of the guest packet. Not the men, not the old, you know, adults. And they're in charge of the guest packet because they're always out, you know, before church starts after Bible study, and they're out there. It's fine. We'll use you in this area, you know, and say, I don't have to worry about guest packets. When, when they hand out the guest packets and stuff, matter of fact, they can show these people where their classes are. You know, they do a great job of it. But uh, but when the guest packet box gets to getting low, you can rest assured, Brother Randy, y'all need to get some more guest packets made up. 
Okay. Okay. And everything. But engage those young men that know Christ to tell you that if you've got some quote readers that are a little bit sour in age, you know, train up some that, you know, that one you know, they're taking their place already. Right. Why do you put in the We put information about the church yeah. and that information is who we are as a Southern Baptist Church. This is what we believe. This is Baptist Faith Message 2000 is in there. Uh, our worship times, our, uh, if, if, the, if they're musically inclined, they want to know anything about our music. They know when our choir practice is. Uh, they know when our one ministry is on Wednesday night, the time it starts, our Wednesday night service prayer time, and uh, our Tuesday night prayer time. And so uh, we got everything about the church that's in there that they could pause and over. Then there's a coffee cup and some coffee. Bingo, there you go. You just got me. Yeah. yeah. That's great. By the way, we've been going to front door, people finally the front door. Do you know what the front door to your church is today? What the front door is for your church? It's the internet. I used to say if they're under 30 or if they're under 40, that's the first place to go. It's common now. They go to your website. So, let me get on my soapbox here. I visit a lot of church websites uh, because of my ministry at LifeWay. Uh, keep your website up to date. Uh, keep it up to date. That is your front door, and that's going to be their first impression of the church. For instance, two weeks ago, I visited a church, and I go to their website, because I, I go to Sunday school, and the Sunday school starts at 9.45. Great. That's fine, not a problem. My wife is with me, and so we're just kind of killing time, waiting around. And about 9 o'clock, I thought, you know, I wonder if they've got a Facebook page. I go to their Facebook page where it says Sunday school starts at 9 o'clock. And I looked, it was 9 o'clock right then. Okay, we're missing Sunday school. Uh, and, you know, well, everyone knows we've changed our, our time. I know the pastor. He said, well, yeah, we changed it a few months ago, but your guests don't know that. And the front door is your internet. Uh, so do think, and I realize some of us aren't. I'm not savvy with the internet. I tell you what, you've got a teenager or younger, someone who can do stuff like that. Websites are they're not hard anymore. Uh, I for my blog site, I use WordPress. Number one, and it's just for Yahoo's like me. It's easy to set up. It's easy to maintain. Go in there and change it weekly. Uh, update the notices. Update uh, church website. Don't don't have your Easter program be the first thing they see. Sometimes you can make it like this is the date it goes away. Yes. And that's good. Right. Then nobody has to remember. <laughs> and Facebook is another good place. A lot of churches are setting up Facebook pages. And you can do the same thing where I'm going to always have this pinned at the top, and you can change that out. If you've got a special uh, Labor Day picnic coming up, you can pin that at the top. Website is not hard. Uh, and if you ask, there's going to be some, there's a good chance someone in your church loves doing that kind of stuff and that would be could be a ministry for them you just provide them the information they go to town with it and make you look good uh, it's a televise your, your your church service uh, televised you can put your, your church services up there I uh, I preached for about five Sundays uh, in a little town on the far east side of Nashville I was there for five weeks this this church ran they were without a pastor and they ran 30 people, 50 on a good day. 
So it was nice. It was a great country church. It was great. So there's about, I think there's about 30, 40 people on these Sundays. But they were using, with just their phone, they were recording the service and putting it on Facebook. So this little church of 30 to 40, I checked it. 126 people were watching it. And there was no cost involved. It was someone just kind of, with their phone, recording the service. Wow. We no longer have to be like this church has probably $100,000 plus in TV equipment. Now you need to use your phone. So, then again, for your guests, that is your front door. And so another thing I think that's great to have on your internet, your, your, your website, on Facebook, whatever, is describe the classes in the church, the Bible study groups, and when they meet. And if you can even do this, um, this, this takes a little bit more effort, but it's not hard to say, this is such and such class, it ranges, ranges in ages from, you know, then we're kind of primarily in our 50s. This is a class of young adults, and we are studying blank. And not just not something like we're studying Bible studies for life. They don't care. It's more Bible. We are studying the book of Titus right now. We are looking at a study. Uh, it's called the Bible studies for life now. Living a godly life in an ungodly world. They don't know what you're doing. And then, of course, we're about to start September. It's a matter of going there about five, ten minutes. You can just update the information on what your group you're studying. Guests, especially those who like they moved to town, they're looking for a new church, they go to the website and that kind of information is great for them. If you can to have a map of your church, even there, with the room numbers, this may take a little work, but it's worth it. Now I, I don't know about First Baptist here. In this church where we were built in about four phases here. And so what they did each time they built a new building, they named it after somebody which doesn't mean anything after about 15 years. But the, the numbers changed. So there could be a room 112 in three different buildings. So I went through and we said, okay, we're going to start on here and we're going to move this way and the numbers go up. If it starts with a two, it's on the second floor. It makes sense. And so we just renamed everything and then we put signs up like, like y'all have here. There's a room number outside the door and what happens in that room? Um, Make sure there's just good <laughs> signage like that, and then you can put that on your website. This is so and so's class. We're studying the book of Titus, and we meet in room 113. And that way, if they come, which I've done sometimes, I show them, says, I'm looking for so and so's class that meets in room 113. They walk away. I'm not asking you to have to do all this. I promise you, there's probably a, a, a teenager, a young adult, or someone in your class, they just like doing this kind of stuff. They would be a great person to lean on to just help set your website up. Because that's your guest. <coughs> Other thoughts, comments on this? Don't let me do all the talking. All right. All right, so let's talk about the next question. What does the room look like? Another question that a guest may, you know, it's, it's going to weigh on them. It's a first impression when a room's room. And those of us who've taught for a while, we, we tend not to think about what the room is like. The classroom I taught in had a ceiling just like this. And over about three or four tiles in one area, it was, I mean, it looked like someone spilled a whole vat of coffee, but it was just a water stain. It was nasty. We never noticed it, because we were used to it. And, uh, but every time a guest walked in, someone really, we kind of, that's the first thing you notice. Uh, what do you do when you have guests come to your house? When you're going to have a, 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 
a party, or excuse me, we're back to you have a fellowship. <laughs> what do you do? You clean house. up your house. Yes. If you're at my house, my wife starts three weeks early. Um, but you do, you, you, you clean up, you pick up, you, you, think, so you throw things under the couch so they won't find it. Let's do that in our Bible study rooms as well. Um, just keep it picked up and clean as best you can. If, you're, you, if you use posters in your, as you teach, great, I'm glad you use them. Take them down when you're through using them. I actually walked in a, in a class one time, uh, we, we, it, was, it was doing something like this, and there was a poster on the wall, and it, it, you know, it's like when they put, date, they put dates on them, it was 10 years old. I guess they just liked the poster. Cut but, the date off. Yeah. <laughs> you like the poster, cut the date off. There you go. And uh, just things, if you got old curriculum, recycle it, donate it to another church, something. Don't have those stacks of curriculum everywhere. Um, this is a prime example. Like, I don't know who meets in this classroom. I'm assuming it's probably a ladies because of those baby bottles, which is a ministry. But if you look around, you got a poster right there that's out of date. You got Christmas wrapping paper up there. You got a lot of junk on that table. You got some sort of big, humongous flower pot. There was nothing in it. And and if you just look around this room, and I don't even know who meets in here, but I'm seeing those things that you know. If I was a first-time guest, it's like, well, that poster's out of date. There's a lot of junk on that table, and there's Christmas wrapping up there, and there's a pot that doesn't have anything in it, and there's tables that I don't. Maybe they have the tables set up in here. I don't know. They sit at tables. Yeah. Let me get your name. You can't come to my house. John nailed it. Now, if there's anyone, this is your class, you probably would have taken great offense at what John just said. I really wanted to say it. Thank you that I didn't have to. But And I'm not, I'm not picking on the class. We all do this. We're used to our room, and we put something over there one week, and four weeks later, it's still there. We've forgotten about it. Exactly. We don't. My classroom, um, I teach the older ladies. We have made it homely. We got flowers in there. We got decorations, and uh, we do seasonal decorations in our room, so that when you walk through that door, it welcomes you, making you feel like. That, you know, okay, I could like this class, or I feel at home. Okay. Well, and one thing too is you you've got to whatever your room that you're using, you do the decorations. You decorate it according to who is meeting in there. You know, I mean, if it's a youth class, you don't want you know, grab stuff in there, or you know, if you know, the, the older you know, the older group they they like. You know, different decorations and things, and we've got one. I've got one Sunday school class in my church. They have the old choir church chairs that were there since the you know brought over on the the ark, and you know, they're sacred chairs. Uh, they had been scattered all over the building. I said, "Y'all like them so much, I'm gonna put them all in your classroom." So that's what we did. I put every single chair that they kept from the old choir law put them in their, their room, and that's what they have in there, and that's they're fine with that. So, All right. You, know, you, you have to uh, you have to use or you know, have the classroom set up so it's inviting to who you're wanting to attract. Yeah. I teach 60 to 90, 
Exactly. Yeah, I know. They're in that nostalgic phase, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And we think like we want to dress up a room with like teenagers. If you work with kids, issue can come if you've got too much in the room decoration. It can yeah. be distracting. Yeah. That that boy that and I've heard this. You know, mom. You know, he's on a he's ADHD, but mom gives him Sundays off from his Ritalin. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah I've heard that. <laughs> we, yes. we give him a day off, but all that stuff is just he just he's just it, it distracts. Him. Yeah. So yeah, you got to know your group. Right, and that's, that's a point that all of us uh, don't need to forget that you got to know your audience. And, and granted, you know, our church, Pineview Baptist Church in White Cross, Georgia, we are a work in progress. It's a country rule church. Uh, the majority of what it says is when you go down the hall, speaks of what used to be. Mm -hmm. But even though I've been there for seven years, I'm still smart enough to know that I don't need to take that down right <laughs> exactly. Now let's talk about you know because what does the room look like? Uh, we, I mentioned that when we when I set this room up yesterday, all these tables were out here, and there's about three or four chairs behind each table. I am not a fan of tables. Uh, Grant, I know sometimes when you want to rock, I wish I had a table right now. But I like to have a circle or a semicircle, and typically, of course, this is a, we're a large group. I often just sit in the circle while I teach. Okay, when we get, it's relationships. Right now, how we're set up, the focal person in this room is me, and this is the focal wall. Uh, but granted, this is a large. If this was a Sunday school class, I'd be working with the church staff to say, okay, we need to divide our class, make a smaller group. Eight to twelve is ideal. When you start running fifteen to twenty on a weekly basis. It's time to divide your group. Not use divide. Yeah, we're going to multiply. We're going to birth. Gonna birth. birth. Yeah, birth a new class. And well, you're splitting us up. It's for an hour. You know, it's it's. You can still have your parties or fellowships together. It's fine. But the smaller settings are more inviting. More conversation happens, and relationships deepen. It just does. But so I prefer where we can all sit. Uh, ideally. I'll even show if I can make the room, arrange the room, we've got one row. In other words, it's just one circle. Now, this isn't bad, but the idea is that if, if we're just in straight rows, you, you really can't talk to each other. At least here, you've got a semicircle. You can see each other. Because remember, it's not about me as the teacher. It's about us having relationships. So, by the way, if you get rid of the tables, you actually have more room in there, and it feels roomier. So uh, I'm just a big fan of that. So they can all we can all see each other. Uh, and I know a lot of people. Church. Uh, I was on a mission trip in the outback of Australia, and we met at a church. And the worship service they said in the circle, and the the worship service, and and the preacher would sit down and and would talk, and and everybody was sitting in a circle, and in their culture. Aborigines might be topless, the women, and they would just breastfeed right there, you know. They didn't get up and walk out, didn't cover up or nothing, but they everybody was in a circle and you could you know, communicate with one another. It just it, it it opens up the relationships. It really does. So I tried not having tables and our group was just having the group on the tables. Yeah, the, the tables, there is a sense of security because 
and it's subconscious. But I'm sitting at a table. There's a barrier between me and you. I remove that. It feels more vulnerable. Well, you wanted something to sit everything on, and I'm like, you got your lap. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was not what they wanted. If you're really large enough, you can group all your tables together, and everybody sits around the table. That's still seeing each other. Yeah. And I sleep to the smaller, narrower mm-hmm. tables too, instead of the yeah. I, I am so thankful with, that someone invented tables that don't weigh 200 pounds. Yes. Those on church staff know what it's like to move a lot. Now, I'm, I'm going to pick on this room for one more reason. Um, ideally, for me, what I would love to do is to have that the focal wall and our chairs are facing that way. Does anyone know why? That's right, exactly. Um, because really, if someone came in right now, they become the focal point. And for those, especially guests, who, oh, I thought y'all started at 9.45 and they come in, they want to be, uh, they just want to kind of subtly sneak in. So, um, so if this was my room, I would, I would talk to the staff, can I move that marker board over there? And it just, it just makes it a lot more comfortable for folks. All right, let's move on. I am. Uh, we still got five more questions to go. Can I say one thing? Yes, ma'am. Idea? Um, in some little book, I think it was the one like 101 Ways to Wow Your Guests or something. It said that something like 85 to 90 percent of guests who come to your church use your restaurant, mm-hmm. and that was kind of a revelation. You know, there was nothing wrong with our restaurants or their buildings except they looked like they were done 30 years ago. And everybody watches Chip and Joanna and Home and Garden. So we just took about $100 and just refreshed that room and painted the oak cabinet that dark espresso color and changed out the hardware and changed the little fabric on the chair and spray painted it black. And, and with $100, it looks like intentional and like we know when it is. And just, you know, because Probably nobody would not come because they didn't like the decor, but it might just help with that first impression that care has been taken. Because I've been in some horrible church bathrooms in my life, going around to other churches and stuff. How do they let them stay this happy? And ours was definitely uh, not like that. It was just not up to date. That's wise. And those of us who are older adults, our kids are grown, we tend not to think about that part of also the kids in the preschool area. Make it look nice. It has to look clean, and it has to look like up to date and not like there's a thousand toys that don't relate to your kids' room. I was in First Baptist Church, Hawkeye, Louisiana last, last Saturday. Pretty book sized church close to Shreveport. But I was talking to one of the older gentlemen. He was, uh, 80, he was in his 80s. He'd been a long time member of this church. He said, there, and by the way, this is a big church. Big church. So there was a point in this church, we've had a long history, probably as, almost as old as Statesboro. He said, we were down to 30 people. We were not dead, but we were very, very, very gray, and we were on the verge of dying. He said, we made a radical decision. And he, we were standing, so he pointed to the building, he says, we decided as small as we were, we invested a quarter of a million dollars refresh and update our preschool area 
See, that was a big decision, a quarter of a million dollars. He said, we did that, and life changed. It changed. Now, money doesn't make a church grow. But what they did, they were showing, we care about children. We're going to give them, we, we want that to look nice for them. Because mom and dad, mom comes in and she sees that, she wants to come back. Whereas the church I was at in seminary, my sister-in-law came in with her infant, she cried when we left her in the nursery. It was just so drab. Um, so preschool's a great area to invest invest in, just to fix it up, clean it up, all that. Those baby beds, I've been in churches where they would have the, what look like the cages, baby beds, or the old wooden beds that get rid of that stuff uh, if you want to reach young people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it makes a difference. Let's talk about the other question that's on their minds, and that is, who are these people? Um, I've been invited to the group, but I have no idea who else is in it. Now, my friend may tell me, well, yeah, we're primarily guys in our 60s, something like that, or we're, it's a bunch of young adults are. We're, we're all ages. Okay, that's fine. But I don't who are these people, what are they like? All right? So there's one real easy way to help fix that. One easy way. Name tags. Yeah. Name tags. And let me tell you this. Everybody with a name tag every week. Everybody has a name tag and you do it every week. Now, there's, there's some things uh, we have found out about name tags. When people have name tags, they actually talk more. Because, oh, I can see your name. And so, because I know what your name is, I'm actually more likely to address you and talk to you. Well, everyone knows who I am. No, they don't. Exactly. No, they don't know who you are. And you try that with your group sometime. And you especially a group that's 10, 12, 15. Okay, put, put someone on the phone and say, okay, name everybody in here. Okay, well, that's a that's curly guy. You know, that's a that's short guy. And, you know, no, what the, we don't know the names. And so now, especially for a visitor who walks in, okay, Class, we only have to know one name, the visitor, the guest who came in. He's got to know everybody's. Now, another thing about name tags, by the way, I, I love the way we've got name tags here. But I suggest you just go, you can go simple. You can go to Amazon. You can go to, you can go to the uh, Staples Office Depot. Buy just a cheap, you know, these kind of, these kind of name tags. I bought a boatload of them on Amazon. Really cheap. A lot of them. And you just, we have them out the front door, we have markers, just write it, slap it on, you're good to go. Don't make fancy name tags for the group members. Okay? Some people won't do that because it looks nice. But the problem is, everyone's got these fancy name tags, but the visitor, you give him one of these. He still sticks out. Mm -hmm. He does. Now, there is one class, but I like how they did it, because my church, I was getting this all name tag. Oh, we don't name tags. But what they did, you know, the ladies, it messes up. They got little things like this, little lanyards, and they wrote their names on name tags just like this, and they slid it in. Now, when a guest came, they had blank lanyards. These name tags, they could write their name on it, and it would slide in, and that's what they wore. And no one's clothes got messed up, and, now, and the guests did not stick out. Uh, and I see a lot, of, a lot of deacons, we had this at Woodmont, you know, Fancy gold, they, they look gold plate, you know, really nice name tags, even for your I think everybody just looked the same. 
Again, I'm a big believer in name tags. We actually talk more when we have them. And by the way, another thing that's interesting about name tags, typically when you put a name tag, we put it on the left side, they, whoever they are, they'll research, they say, actually, if you put it on the right side, it gets noticed more. Put it on the right side. So I've started doing that. And they say our eyes tend to go to that side first. So. Question about the name tags. Church leadership, like the readers and that kind of thing. Do you, you don't think they need something different just so that people will know that they can go to them and ask questions like they have on the Well, yeah, that's di- that I should say that's different. In a classroom, <coughs> oh, okay. I don't want us to stick out. Okay. Um, but if they are being agreed by that, by the way, I got to tell you, I assume the state of Georgia did this. The fact you guys have those blue shirts that scream volunteer. <coughs> Well, you can put like a red strip at the bottom for greeters. Well, even those kind of different colors too. Yeah, you could yeah. use a special color for your greeters. Well, I, I was just thinking that as a visitor, mm-hmm. you didn't know who to go to. You know, right. like we use the blue shirts to the, you know, right. you just get to this place. Walmart vest, so, you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. And I've seen people do the name tags, and I've seen the, the shirts where we all kind of have the same shirt on that shows. That's, and that's great for church members, too, because you kind of sort of stick out in a good way. Going back to the thing about the name tag on the right, we were taught that we do extend your hand to show you where do they go straight up this side. There you go. That's why you want it on the Makes sense. Now, when you try this with your class, I'm going to tell you what they're going to say. I don't want to wear a name tag. All right? Here's the thing. No one likes to wear a name tag, but we like it when everybody else does. <laughs> oh, I don't want to wear one, but we like it. I, I like it as you have one. Just, and I say, just go with it. And uh, after a while, they get used to it. It just becomes second nature for them. You know, as a pastor, that helps me. I've been trained to recognize faces in my background and stuff. You know, I got your face forevermore, and when I see you again, I recognize your face, but I may not remember your name. And so, if you got the name tag and everything, now I got something else that helps me yes. connect who you are. And you know, that's why people. Well, why you got these monogram shirts that say who you are? And you know, granted, you're a pastor, you got that shirt because it helps people connect. When I'm in a restaurant and everything, when they get my name, mm-hmm. they know I'm pastor at Pineview Baptist Church. But you know what? They're in there serving me that day. Maybe it's Sunday. Maybe they, you know, they would love to be in worship. The problem is, they got to work. They got to support a child, or maybe two or three children. You know, so you get ministered to them, and they can connect with you, and you can connect with them. That's great. That's great. Good thoughts. Now, as this guest comes in and you give him a name tag, give the couple the name tag, don't go overboard on greeting them. Now, you want them to make them feel welcome. But don't, don't shine a spotlight on them. Now, there's some people that don't mind that. Uh, I'm the guy walking around, I'll put a lampshade on my head, and here I am. My wife is just the opposite. So I've learned, actually, when we visit classes, I just kind of take her persona. And uh, I've even tried to hide the fact that what I do, 
because I found when I walk in, oh, you're there. Oh, that's your name in our book. It changes the Bible study. So I just try to go in as a nondescript person. And most people, that's what they want to be. So when we, what happened about a month ago, my wife was with me, we visited a class. And they said, well, guys, I tell you what, why don't y'all, and there was 20 in the room. Let's go around and introduce ourselves and tell you what you do. And as we're going around, it's about five minutes into it, I realized, they're doing this for us. So introducing everybody. And then they came in and says, well, Lynn, why don't you tell us about yourselves? Uh, a lot of visitors, that scares them away. It scares them away. So just, and I'm going to get to how you really do make them feel welcome in just a moment. But just don't shine the big spotlight on. Well, the church I used to go to in Sunday school class before we even started, we get a prayer circle. Everybody would hold hands and even the visitors would. And you know, you just squeeze the hand of the person next to you if you don't want to pray. pray. But still, that's it's intimidating yeah. when you might not even be saved. And you're up there, you know, you're waiting on them to come. I always told myself, I don't like you. Somebody needs to pray, pray for you if you need prayer requests and stuff. But the circle thing just didn't work. Yeah, it's hard on guests. So while we're talking about how the going overboard on greeting guests, I'm going to step into some dangerous waters, and I'm going to talk about your church service, which is often where a guest will that might be their first time to come. A little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, research came out that said. Meet and greet times. Don't raise your hand if you have a meet and greet time. And I will tell you this, 90% of guests that are surveyed hate the meet and greet time. 90% of guests, but catch this, 60% of church members don't like it either. It's awkward. They feel put upon. And, uh, and here's the thing that happens. There's no relationship there. Well, we, I, I, like, I like to greet people. We're, we show we're a friendly church. But we're so busy shaking hands, we don't ever stop to have an actual conversation. So I was an interim pastor in East Nashville. And uh, I'd been there several weeks, and I wanted to move away from the meet and greet time. So one Sunday, we just didn't do it. No one said a word. The second week, we didn't have a meet and greet time. No one said a word till after the service. Well, Brother Lynn, we thought you just forgot, you know, because you knew me. But when it happened the second week, we liked that meet and greet time. And I said, it's awkward. You can see it from the platform how awkward it is because we're trying to shake as many hands as we can and other people are standing around. I said, but we like that. We, we've got to have our meet and greet time. So, okay, I moved it further, closer to the beginning of the service. All right, so I walk in this one Sunday. Uh, it's about 10, uh, 10 till the service starts, but I walk in and there are some guests there. And around those guests are several, or probably about six, seven church members. And I walk back there and they're just having a conversation. This is an older congregation. It was a young adult couple. And they're just having a great conversation, getting to know them and talking to each other. Great. So, start the service. Five minutes into it, we have the meeting great time. And everyone's up, going around shaking hands. And I'm on the platform. They'll look out there. And that couple is standing there. No one dares around. We killed the meeting great time. Because I, I told the church family, I said, look, you're great at greeting people. You, you do the conversations before the service, and when the service is over, no one leaves. You, you stand around and talk. So when it's in the middle, when it's in the service, it feels contrived. And the visitors pick up on that. The research says 60% of get, uh, church members don't even like it. So, again, it's another way that we really highlight guests that can feel awkward to them. So I'm going to get off my soapbox on that. Yes, sir. Uh, sometimes we go over and visit 
I won't say where it is, but it's my son lives in a different town, a long way from here. And we go visit, and uh, the guests don't want to feel interrogated. You know, like, what? Who are you? Why are you here? Who are you visiting? What brought you here? Right? And they, and they, you know, they're trying to be helpful and friendly, but they ask you ten or twenty questions. And like, and a lot of people don't want to. Like, I'm here. I want to enjoy church. Don't ask me questions. Yeah, a lot of times if we if we read the English, the, the body English of them, we'll pick up on that. A lot of people don't, they don't get it. They just keep asking, asking, asking. Yeah. Where did you come to visit? Where are you from? Who are you getting to? They won't let it go. Oh, well, yeah, it does make, make a difference. You know what I'm talking about. How we ask those questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see that a lot in rural country ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so, the smaller the church, the more they do it. Yeah. Look, we came to visit my son. We, we, we in the morning one enjoyed the service. Um, we, you know, we belong to another church. We're just here to visit. We may come once every six months. It's the same reason my son that lives in the same county that I'm in who is a lieutenant in law enforcement cannot come and worship with his dad just to go to worship because they don't recognize him as coming to worship they recognize him as a lieutenant in the county sheriff's department mm. and they got issues and so they got to resolve them you know and so you know he'll come for a special dinner or something like that and everything he he drives 30 minutes to church in neighboring county where him and his wife and their children go to worship where they can and you know once a year i look forward to it you know uh, i get that call when they're having their men's ministry uh, dad i'm not coming and just come worship with me you know, because I'm a leader in our association and everything. If I visit another church, I'm, I'm no longer the guest. I'm no longer there to be able to worship. I'm there to help resolve issues within the life church, which I don't mind, but you know, I'd like to worship with them. <laughs> yes, I, we were talking earlier, I mentioned that you know, I was a pastor, and life changed for me when I came to Lifeway. Because as a pastor, when you visit a church, typically when I visit, like tomorrow I'm preaching in a church, um, in, in, in Murfreesboro, it's about 800 people. Well, they, they everyone knows who I am, so you have a different perspective. When you go in as a pastor and no one knows who you are, pastors need to experience that, to know what it's like for a guest, when you are a nobody. And so that was eye-opening when I first came to Nashville and we were trying to find a church home, how people talked to us or didn't talk to us. And I'll tell you this too, I don't know how many churches we visited, and I filled out the forms even the check the box, we would like a visit. One church visited us, and it was like six months later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a reality in our churches that we've, we're, not, we're not reaching out. Even when they come to us, we're not taking advantage of it. Um, now, let me, let me run with a, a similar question that goes with this, and that is, who am I going to sit next to? Now, I'm going to sound like I'm going just right against what you just said about asking questions. The problem we have in a church is when a guest comes and they sit down with us, no one really 
talks to us. Now, I'm not talking about as the teacher, well, tell us about yourself, not that kind of thing. But we're just, so who am I going to sit next to and are they going to talk to me? Uh, what we tend to do if we do talk to the guest, it's stuff like this. Man, I'm so glad you're here. We got a great class. Let me tell you about our class. Does. We do this. We, we, uh, you know, we, we bowl on Thursday nights. We, we have these great fellowships. And, yada, and we always talk about ourselves and never find out about them. So I've learned the key is to just I'm going to ask questions. Hey, I'm glad you're here. So are y'all new to town? But it's the tone we ask that makes a world of difference. So, and that's what happens. So are you new in town? I said, well, no, we've lived here two years. I don't have a church yet. Uh, and it just happens. And, but ask them questions about themselves. Not, not grueling like it's for an interview. But don't let the focus be on, on, your, on the class. Just uh, Because what happens is sometimes you'll say, hey, y'all, well, we just moved to town. I'm, I'm working at such and such place. I'm working at the Nissan plant. Hey, someone's over here. He works at Nissan. I, when I taught junior high boys, and I survived, um, we had a boy visit one Sunday, and uh, he was new to town. They just moved from Kentucky, of all places. And uh, he hadn't even started school yet. So I'm just kind of getting to know this young man. Turned out he's a, a trumpet player in the band. Two of my boys in my class played in the band. One of them was a trumpet player. So I got those guys and brought them and I made a connection. I said, hey guys, this is so-and-so. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to start school tomorrow. He's in the band. Don't you guess? And I would just kind of initiate some things to get him talking. And then I backed away. Once again, find ways to get them to talk. Uh, for, and this is what it takes for us as, to get our, as the teacher, we need to get our class members thinking relational intentionality. When someone comes in, talk to them. And the reason they don't, we don't know how to talk to people. We really don't. We just don't know how to have a conversation with a total stranger. So I learned just to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Lynn, I don't know you. And, so, and I, mm -hmm. I've asked that, are you, are you visiting today? Or, and it's easy for me because I don't know if they're a church member or not. Even though I was an interim pastor, I just ask them, oh, yeah, I've been a member for 30 years. And I was like, well, where have you been? But, uh, <laughs> um, but I like just, just have just a casual conversation, not an, not an interview. Just ask me a few questions, get talking, get the talking. We visited a church in North Carolina in the Sunday school class. And, they did something I have used ever since. Uh, and they just simply said, we've got a couple of visitors here. Would you all introduce yourself? And when you do, would you tell us your favorite ice cream? And yeah. there was a way, that's the most non-threatening thing you can say. Nobody can disagree with your flavor. Because yeah. everybody loves ice cream. And so they've just gotten you to talk to the whole class. They now know your name. And you have been able to verbalize something, so you're not afraid of the group anymore. It's the easiest icebreaker I've ever gone through. So when somebody visits my farm, yeah, hey, sorry you can't join. You tell us what's your name and what's your favorite ice cream. And yeah, suddenly somebody said, "Oh man, that's my favorite ice cream too." Let me tell you, you know, it, it works. It's yeah, crazy. and it's a subtle. It's a it's a we call ice cream. It's a softball. You throw yeah, it at them, yeah. but it all of a sudden makes a connection. What, what you like chocolate chip too? That's great. Now, by the way, with your class, have someone, if you're the teacher, have someone do this for you. Fill out a card. Have them fill out a card. And, now, and, and, and I, I even create my own cards. Uh, in their first Sunday, I'm just glad you're here. And, and uh, just have them fill out a card. And I do something simple as uh, name, phone number, uh, email. I've got a word on that, ask for an address yet. And I'll, I'll put this on. If we were to contact you, what's the best way to contact you? 
you know, phone, mail, text. Young adults, still spend 100% with my young adult class I taught, text, you just send us a text. Uh, and then that way you have a way to contact them and stay in touch with them. Again, I'm amazed at how many times I've filled something out and no one ever called us. No one has ever called us. So as the leaders of our class, we need to kind of build into our group to learn how to have those conversations. Just just get to know the person. I don't know what to say. Just ask them where they're from. Where'd you grow up, you know? Um, you know, I did that here at Resist because I didn't know a soul in here. It's just, well, tell me where your church is. And of course, I, I could truly play ignorance. Says, okay, well, where is that from here? Uh, just start conversations. And what's the time? She went to school close to where I... Uh, uh, where I live. Uh, she survived living in Nashville for a while. Uh, just asking questions, you learn those kind of things. All right, questions, comments, snide remarks, anybody? Um, just something that my husband and I are doing is, he's the pastor, so he gets the card that has a check mark if you want to visit from the pastor or something. And instead of invading their home, because a lot of times that makes them uneasy, we have been... We tell them, would you like to meet at Starbucks or Dairy Queen? And, I mean, we get lots of people who we go and visit. We've, we've witnessed to people at Dairy Queen and had people get saved there. I mean, you know, it's just... I have a table at McDonald's. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. For those of us of a certain age, this is going to sound awful, but the days of door-to-door -door visitation without an invitation, they're, they're gone. Uh, people just, just show up and knock on the door. And even just say, hey, I'd like to come out and visit with you sometime. Well, they're gonna, if it was my wife, she needs those three days to clean the house. In our house, I promise you, it's already perfectly clean. Uh, so, Jimmy's house, probably not, because he's already said <laughs> 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 Oh, yeah. I, I, Invited to come home when we're done today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I laughed. The, the, the fruit and vegetables in our refrigerator are in alphabetical order. We're just, my wife's a knee freak. But a lot of people just, it's antsy, but that's how they used to say, hey, let's get together. And that's what I typically do with folks. Uh, my young adults, I'll say, hey, can I buy you lunch sometime? We're just with the guys. And we'll just, I'll meet them for lunch. Uh, but have that kind of contact with them. I am amazed at how many churches gather the information and never do anything with it. But now, kudos to the pastors who make the visits. Now, for a guest, there's, especially if they're, they're in the church background, they expect a visit from the pastor, someone on staff. Well, let me tell you what happens if a class member, a, a, a normal person in the church contacts them. That, that carries a whole lot more weight. Well, the pastor's paid. He's supposed to do that kind of stuff. But when it's just, you know, a, just a normal guy in the church says, "Hey, let's let's meet up for Starbucks." Wow, that's where connections happen. You know, one thing I discovered some years ago: uh, there's certain people in the church that have a knack for welcoming people, versus others don't. I visited in a home, and this couple told me, "said you, you have a very unfriendly church." I said, well, where did you sit? And they told me, and I said, well, next time you come, sit here. You know, because I knew they would give them a good welcome. Yeah. Now, you're not going to get all the people to do it, I guarantee you. No, no. Yeah. Would you start? Yeah. Uh, 
continually pushing, talking about that in your class, and build a culture where people start seeing, let's talk. Uh, yeah, one thing too, you talk about who will I sit next to. Uh, one thing that I try to do as, as a pastor, I don't hide out in somewhere before, you know, five minutes before it's time to come out and start the service. I'm out there ahead of time with people coming in. I, I'm visiting with them. I'm talking with them. If they're new, uh, I've had them. We know that Baptist churches there are people who have their spot, and you don't sit in their spot. And I told told the guests to come in. I said, "Look, I said you sit wherever you want to." I said, "If you have a problem with one of those people that come out and say you're in my spot, I said you let me know, and I will take care of them." Uh, and we don't have we don't have that issue. Oh, you're a brave man. Yeah. And, uh, well, I've got some good people in my church too, so they know. That I will you know, uh, talk to them about it, but uh, you know, it, it's making that that uh, you know that step of you know, inviting them. Say, hey, you know, sit wherever you want to. Come on in, and you know, don't worry about where you're sitting. That's great. Next question: What are they talking about? This should come no surprise to you, since uh, Tom introduced me as working with Lifeway. I'm a big proponent of using Bible study resources. And whatever resource you have, your group members have a book they use, a daily discipleship guide, a personal study guide, whatever. Make sure you have extra copies so when that guest comes in. So here's what we're doing. We're going to be on page 34 today. Uh, have that for them. And let them have the option of keeping the book. Amen. Uh, let them keep it. Uh, so I always... Uh, I always, when I order for my class, I make sure I have extras just for that. And the other thing is, um, if you don't use a great you use the Bibles, well, that's a good idea, use Bible in Sunday school. But have extra Bibles in the room. And again, don't do the thing of just go raid the lost and found and find all those Bibles. That, it gets you in, Bibles are inexpensive. Uh, you don't have to go buy the big $60, $80 leather bound to have in the room to give them. It's just those pew Bibles. It could be a paperback. But just and say, hey, you're welcome to keep the Bible if you like. Uh, have Bibles available for them. So, uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, we are trying to do 50 backpacks to go up to West Virginia with kids who were needing up there. I found a King James Bible at the Dollar Tree. For one dollar, we bought fifty to go in those backpacks. Now we checked them out and made sure that they were right. You know, I had the preacher, and before we bought them, so you know, sometimes you can use something like that, and then you know, for those children, we thought that would be appropriate. Yeah. You'd be good if you had put Bibles out, put the translation that the teacher or the preacher is using. Yes. Because yeah. there's nothing worse than, you know, you're sitting there and Charlie's uh, a King James person and he's using the King James and I've got something in front of me that's the living Bible and it's like, that don't match what he's saying. Yeah. You're right. So, uh, 
and I always pick up the pew Bible and look because that gives me a cue what kind of uh, Bible the pastor's using. And of course, a lot of them, if they're young adults, they've got their Bible with them. It doesn't matter what translation it is, they got their phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll do that in new version. Sometimes the game for me is to try to figure out what translation you're using. Oh, that's it. Um, but yeah, offer them something to have to take with them. What are they talking about? And you don't have to unpack the entire uh, study. Like we're wrapping up, some of us are wrapping up King Asa tomorrow, some of tomorrow are wrapping up the book of Titus. You don't have to spend 20 minutes saying, okay, now we've been talking about this and this and this and this. Sunday school is meant to be open group that they can jump in anytime. And you can just kind of, and I do this with my whole class. Hey, guys, remember last week we talked about this. And just in a moment, bring them up to speed. Now we're going to pick up now the end of King Asa's life. You don't have to, but set a little context for your guest. So this is why, this is what we're doing, this is why we're studying it. So uh, uh, again, that's a, a great tool to have for them. The last question is this, and we've already talked about this some. Will anybody care afterwards that I came? Contact them somehow. Uh, uh, just make some kind of contact with them afterwards. By the way, there's another great thing you could do with a guest that visits in Sunday school. Uh, now, this works great if your Sunday school is before the worship service. But it's amazing what happens when the class lets out. And the class could have even been very gracious and kind to the guest. But when that class lets out, everyone takes off. And they got to go figure out where to sit. I've seen this at my church at Woodmont. I talked about where um, a visitor came and in the Bible, or in the Bible study and they connected. And that person walked in with them and sat with them. <coughs> Even once she was a young, she was a graduate student at Vanderbilt. She sat every week with these senior adult ladies. You know why? They connected with her, walked her in, and they sat with her. So when the guests come to Bible study, uh, one or two of you walk them into the into the sanctuary together, into the worship center, and sit with them and talk with them. Uh, but find ways to connect them. I'm just curious. Y'all have some ways that y'all connect with visitors um, after the service or you know, during the week? Anybody do anything special? One thing I did uh, years ago, we had a little saying, our church is the sweetest fellowship this side of heaven. And uh, somebody gave us these canisters of sugar. And we give those out at the end of the service, the ones that would be in a certain room. That, that was accepted pretty well. Yeah, that's great. My son was in college. Uh, we actually went to a church with him one day. He, he was not a member, he was just visiting. And uh, we went to Bible City Group. He went to the college class. We went out after church. We took our son and we wrapped something. And we took him back to his, where he lived. There on his front door was a bag from the church with homemade bread in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty sweet. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, we at the church for you to take while our guests were in seminary uh, at the end of the service. They said, okay, guests, be sure as you exit to take a right. And we took a right and turned the sanctuary as you exited. Um, there was a little bag there for each of the guests to make your own. A little label on it that Jesus is the bread of life, and then it had information about the church. That's great. That leaves an impression, especially when it's given to them on the way out of a church commercial. That's great. And in reference to what he said, 
put my wife and I went to visit when I was sunning in Libya, beautiful as, and went to their church. It was a non-denominational church, probably half black, half white. But they did the candy bar thing, and it was wrapped to the, had some statements on it, some in African, and some in English, and some in German, because a German colony years ago. And with biblical scripture in a dove candy bar, a big dove candy bar. It was something we really was surprised at when we kept the record. That's neat. Yeah. Do that. Don't give the cheap Halloween candy. Give the good stuff. Like that. I'm glad you're here. Let me just give you this as my information. Uh, my, my key ministry now is helping you yours. So there's just my contact information, my email. Uh, that is my personal cell phone. So uh, once again, I really want to help you what you do. So uh, you get home and you got some questions, and we were talking about this. I'd love to hear from you. I really would. If you get a brainstorm, a really great idea, two in the morning, great. There's my phone number. Just call me in the morning. All right. So, uh, but I'm glad that y'all were here. Tom, we're going to lunch now. Is that correct? Straight to lunch. Yes, so if we if we had a quick prayer and left now, we might beat the other people. Is that right? Okay. Would you mind leading us in prayer? Yes, certainly. We're just going right from through there over into the fellowship hall. Let's let's pray. Lord, thank you for Lynn and just coming to share with us. Lord, help us not just to pack this away in a folder and say that we've been to a conference, but Lord, um, you tell us not just to be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. But in this lecture time. Um, that we put into practice what we've heard. So, Lord, I know there's one or two or three things that each of us can take away from this to, to be encouragement to um, our Sunday school teachers or if we're a Sunday school teacher or if we're in a class. So, uh, Lord, just thank you for this time and continue to allow us to um, just to be sensitive to the fact that others are visiting and that we do want to see them um, not only be there that day, but to come again and help us to be conscious that we need to try to build relationships. So, Lord, use our churches as we draw others close to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Glad y'all were here.